Welcome to the Overcoming Adversity podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals that help listeners tackle the storms of life and become more resilient. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Brothers and sisters, this is indeed an honor to be able to be back to BYU. It's an honor to be seated next to your president. I've had the opportunity of working with him, uh, not only as he served as a presiding bishopric in the, as a presiding bishop, but also uh, as a member of the Quorums of the Seventy. You're greatly blessed to have President Bateman as your president of this university. I'm honored today to have our family here. They're lacking one of our sons, two of our sons, and the rest of them we have the honor of having with us today. And I see in the audience there are a number of you who, who uh, were missionaries in Brazil and we served together there. Could I just see how, how many of you here were serving as missionaries when we were down there together? Well, that's great. It's just good to see you here. And I'm honored to know that, um, above all, President Elvesio Martins of the Area Presidency, when we serve together, is seated here in the audience, a man I've learned to deeply love and greatly respect. Sister Hillam and I have great memories of uh, BYU. Uh, when I returned from my first mission, uh, we dated at, uh, here at BYU for a year and were married at the end of the school year. In fact, uh, as it was, we were married on Thursday and uh, my wife, Carol, graduated on Friday. On Saturday morning, I had to report to work on a farm, and so our honeymoon, I guess you could say, was uh, her graduation at BYU. <laughs> she always reminds me that she hasn't had a honeymoon yet, and uh, no matter where we go, no matter how lovely a place it is, she always says, well, this isn't the honeymoon yet. Soon, I'm sure, it'll be something in a wheelchair. <laughs> hmm. Not too long ago, I had, the, had a visit from a, a lady who came to my office and, uh, and the purpose of her meeting with me was for her to explain all of the problems that she was having in her life. And basically, she said, uh, but why me? Why now and why so many problems? Why is the Lord chastising me so? I would like to respond to some of that now. Obviously, we would not be able to talk on all the details, but I would like to have you think with me this morning on this item. Now, there are, of course, some of the misfortunes that we have we bring on ourselves because of our dumb decisions, because of things we don't do well. We do suffer the consequences. But there are some of those that we can't seem to explain some of the problems that just seem to happen and there seem to be no explanations. And it's those that I would like to talk about today. When Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, they had been out for a time. And I would like to read to you from Moses 5 and beginning with verse 4. And Adam and Eve, his wife, called upon the name of the Lord, and they heard the voice of the Lord from the way toward the garden of Eden, speaking unto them, and they saw him not. 
for they were shut out from his presence. And he gave unto them commandments, that they should worship the Lord their God, and should offer the firstlings of their flocks for an offering unto the Lord. And Adam was obedient unto the commandments of the Lord. After many days, an angel of the Lord appeared unto Adam, saying, Why dost thou offer sacrifices unto the Lord? And Adam said unto him, I know not, save the Lord commanded me. And then the angel spake, saying, This thing is a similitude of the sacrifice of the only begotten of the Father, which is full of grace and truth. Wherefore thou shalt do all thou doest in the name of the Son, and thou shalt repent and call upon God in the name of the Son forevermore. Now the word that I would like to uh, recall now is the word, this thing is a similitude. Looking that word up in the dictionary, it means similarity, resemblance, likeness, one closely resembling another, perceptible likeness, like unto. The Lord then told him that this would be something similar to, it was a resemblance, there was a likeness unto the sacrifice of the Savior. Again, I'd like to go now to Abraham and Isaac. When the Lord appeared and gave a commandment to Abraham, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, and uh, we look at what that word tempt means, and it means he tested him. He tried him, put to proof, or he tested him. And Abraham Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Can you imagine what must have stricken Adam or Abraham in his heart. The son I love so much, and I'm to take him, and I'm to sacrifice him, and then to have make of him a burnt offering. Sometimes I'm sure that we think of that, and we think, well, that's just the way it was. But we must think of that as Adam, or Abraham, and a son that he thought so very much of. Some of you may have sons and daughters. You would know how that would hurt to think that you were to offer him or her as a sacrifice. But the next verse tells me something, something of, of Abraham. And it says that Abraham rose up early in the morning and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. A very obedient, trusting servant of our Father in heaven. Then on the third day, now as we read this, you might see what are the similarities here. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide ye here, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. 
And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, another similarity, and took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, Here am I. uh, He said, Abraham, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. You see, they had to carry the fire in a bucket or in some container. They didn't have the matches that, of course, we're familiar with. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but uh, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And then Abraham answered and said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Can you imagine what Abraham was feeling? It just, in, you know, in the scriptures, it almost sounds somewhat mechanical. I could almost imagine when Abraham answered, he answered with tears in his voice. The Lord will provide a lamb. And they came to the place where God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and they, he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called him to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know, I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Well, now you ask the world, why did, why did, Abraham, why did the Lord ask Abraham to do that? And they will come with some answers, perhaps. They would probably say, well, it's to test his obedience. The world wouldn't know. We would not know if it were not for the Book of Mormon. And Jacob tells us in Jacob 4 and 5, he said, when he tells us that Abraham was obedient unto the commands of God in offering up his son Isaac, now here's the part, which is a similitude of God and his only begotten son. You see, Abraham had an experience that was almost the same as that of God and his son, Jesus Christ. Abraham knew, perhaps more than any person, what God the Father was going through and what was happening to Jesus, his son. Now I'd like to go now to the vision of the prophet Joseph F. Smith. You recall that uh, in, in that, uh, the scripture, in the Doctrine and Covenants, 138th section, is the vision that was given to Joseph F. Smith. And he was pondering about uh, the gospel having been preached to the people after the crucifixion of the Savior. Now, that's important to catch that. And I want to read to you now in the 138th section, the fifth verse. While I was engaged, my mind reverted to the writings of the Apostle Peter to the primitive saints scattered abroad throughout Pontius, Galatia, and and Cappadocia. 
and other parts of Asia where the gospel had been preached after the crucifixion of the Lord. So he saw the people that existed after the crucifixion, after the sacrifice of animals. And here's what Joseph F. Smith, the prophet, records. As I pondered over these things which are written, the eyes of my understanding were opened, and the Spirit of the Lord rested upon me, and I saw the hosts of the dead, both small and great. And there were together together in one place an innumerable company of spirits of the just, who had been faithful in the testimony of Jesus while they lived in mortality. These were they who lived after the crucifixion. And who ha and these were the ones, incidentally now, who were this large group of just people who he saw, and who had suffered sacrifice in the similitude, once again, of the great sacrifice of God and the Son, and suffered tribulation in their Redeemer's name. Now, we've seen three different times of similitude. One, with Adam and Eve, where they were commanded to offer up the animal sacrifice. Abraham, similitude, offering up, almost offering up his son Isaac. And then the saints in the primitive church who were in a, a special blessed condition because of their sacrifice in similitude. Well, I'd like to talk to you now. What are those sacrifices then that might be in similitude? The atonement is the most important thing that has ever happened in the history of all the universe. Christ suffered everything that we can think of in terms of suffering. He went below everything that we know. He suffered all of the illnesses, the pains of illnesses. He suffered physical suffering, mental, and spiritual. There is no suffering that we know that the Savior did not know, that he did not feel, that he did not pass through during that time. Now, we have opportunities when we will receive times when we will be called upon to suffer. We'll be time, there will be times when we will have feelings of hurt and pain, physical and mental, as well as spiritual. And then we will know what is adversity. And we will know a little better what Jesus Christ might have suffered. And we will have, in similitude, done that which Jesus Christ did. Now, <clears throat> what does that mean to us? That means that we will know Jesus better. It also means that when we are called on to suffer, when we have afflictions in our life, we'll know that we're not alone. The Savior has already passed through those times. Now, what uh, we can do also is when we partake of the sacrament, we should remember those, and we'll remember better what the Lord and Savior passed through. And we might be able to say in similitude, it's not the same.
as what Abraham, Isaac, and Adam and Eve, and the ones that Joseph F. Smith saw. I had an occasion one time as a stake president to uh, have a man come to me to tell me of some very serious things that had happened in his life. He knew that he had not done well. He knew that a disciplinary council should be held. And he knew that it would happen. The discipline was, was determined. The man was absolutely faithful. He complied with every condition of that disciplinary council. As time had passed, he came in and we visited. It was not easy for him. The Lord was training him. He was preparing him. He knew what adversity was. He turned to the scriptures. He found comfort as he read of the Savior, as he read of others who had passed through those periods of time. And then he knelt in mighty prayer. He went to our Father in heaven and pled with him during those times of anguish. The day finally came when he was baptized again. He had his blessings restored. And then the experience that I will never forget. As we met one more time with great tears in his eyes, he said, You know, I used to know about the Savior. I used to read about him. But then he said, Now I know him. I know Jesus Christ, and he is my Redeemer. I don't know of any person that I've met who knew the Savior better. The only thing I felt bad about was that he had to go through that to know him. And I would pray that in our activities and in our trials that we would not have to go that far to get to know the Savior. Now, talking of adversity, could I just tell you now that it is one of those things that's going to happen in your life, in my life, we, all, we are all going to pass through adversity. It's a requirement. I've often asked myself, who really, who really is going to be in the presence of God the Father and Jesus Christ to live eternally with them? with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and with Nephi and Alma and Abinadi and Mormon and Moroni, Joseph Smith and many of the great saints who sacrificed as they walked across the plains as they came into these valleys here in the West. Who really is going to be with them? And I've determined it's not going to be those who except doing nothing. I guess we get in a habit of calling them the couch potatoes. I don't think it's going to be them. I know it isn't. Let me read what the Lord told us. This is in the 101st section, starting with the third verse. And he says, Yet I will own them, and they will be mine in that day when I shall come to make up my jewels. Therefore they must be chastened, and tried, even as 
Abraham, who was commanded to offer up his only son. He's talking about the members of his church. We will be tried, as was Abraham. For all those who will not endure chastening, but deny me, cannot be sanctified. And again, in the 136th section, 31st verse. My people must be tried in all things, that they may be prepared to receive the glory that I have for them, even the glory of Zion. And he that will not bear chastisement is not worthy of my kingdom. Brothers and sisters, we will all have that opportunity. The Lord is going to tutor us, he's going to train us, and he's going to prepare us. Elder Maxwell said, God, as a loving father, will stretch our souls at times. The soul is like a violin string. It makes music only when it is stretched. That he quoted from Eric Hoffer. Then Elder Maxwell concludes, God will tutor us by trying us because he loves us, not because of indifference. We will know of God's love when we have that tutoring. I'm sure that many of the general authorities have had that time of, of a feeling of inadequacy, the feeling of being tutored. Now, when the trials come, what should we do? First of all, we must resist murmuring. We must not criticize or rise up against our Heavenly Father. We should study the scriptures so that we would know the doctrine and we would receive from it that comfort that only our Heavenly Father can give. As the man who knew Jesus Christ, we should pray mightily. We should be on our knees constantly that we can receive from our Heavenly Father that assurance that this is part of our trial. Then we should seek to re recognize our need to be tutored. We don't know what Heavenly Father has in store for us. I recall a little story that uh, Sister Hillam used to tell in our move. I don't know where the story went, but the story was like this. We decided that we were going to be a little cottage. But all of a sudden, there is a banging here, and a saw cut there, and a push and a shove. And we wonder, what's happening? And all of a sudden, rather than a little cottage, there's a great mansion that's being prepared. You know, we, we see a little bush, and we take our knife and our shears, and we start cutting on it. I'm sure the little bush says, but why? Why do you cut me? But as we prune the bush, it becomes beautiful and sightly. If we don't, it becomes unsightly and normally has to be taken out of the garden. I pray that we'll think upon the Savior and know we're not alone. He passed that way before, and he will give us that comfort. And then finally, I would... I would pray that we would understand what the Lord taught the Prophet Joseph Smith. 
And this comes from the 122nd section of the Doctrine and Covenants, beginning with the fifth verse. You recall that the prophet had been in the Liberty Jail for those many months. He had passed through wintertime. Much of the time he was in the, in, in the under uh, part of the jail, passing tribulation. We know that uh, the floor was not high enough that he could stand erect. He had to walk bent over. Now there are many other things we could say about the adversity of that. He was away from the church, away from the saints. He wasn't allowed to have the visitors constantly or be able to be about his Father in Heaven's visit, business. But the Lord had the prophet where he could speak to him. And I think some of the most glorious revelations given to the prophet, the one on leadership probably is the most priceless of any document on leadership, the 121st section. And I'd like to read to you the 122nd. The Lord said to the prophet Joseph Smith, If thou art called to pass through tribulation, if thou art in peril among false brethren, if thou art in peril among robbers, if thou art in peril by land or by sea, if thou art accused with all manner of false accusation, if thine enemies fall upon thee, if they tear thee from thy society of thy father and mother and brethren and sisters, and if you're drawn by a sword, thine enemies tear thee from thy bosom of thy wife and of thine offspring and thine elder son, although but six years of age shall cling to thy garments and shall say, My father, my father, why can't you stay with us? O oh, my father, what are the men going to do with you? And if then he shall be thrust from thee by the sword, and thou be dragged to prison, and thine enemies prowl round thee like wolves for the blood of the Lamb, and if thou shouldst be cast into the pit, or into the hands of murderers, or the sentence of death passed upon thee, if thou be cast into the deep, if the billowing surge conspire against thee, if fierce winds became thy, become thine enemy, if the heavens gather blackness and all the elements combine to hedge up the way, and above all, if the very jaws of hell shall gape open the mouth wide after thee, know thou, my son, that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. And then the Lord ends saying, the Son of Man descended below all of them. Art thou greater than he? I pray, brothers and sisters, that uh, when the adversities come, as I've mentioned, they will, we might respond to our Father in Heaven saying, I'm not sure why I have this adversity at this time or at this intensity, I don't know. I know I'll have something to learn. Help me to endure. Just help me to endure this trial that I have. And then maybe like the Savior, not my will, but thine. I pray, brothers and sisters, that uh, we might always be able to remember it is for thy good. Art thou greater than he?
I pray the Lord's blessings will be with us as we are proven, as we're tried, as we go into that crucible of adversity, that we'll know there is always going to be the brighter day. And the great, brightest day will be the day when, if we stay true and faithful, and we understand that we can someday enter into the presence of God the Father and Jesus Christ. And what a glorious time it would be if we could have the judge who will judge us all, Jesus Christ, stand at our side, being our advocate, our defender, our attorney with our Father in heaven. And Jesus Christ say to the Father, have mercy on him. He defended my name. He was valiant. He was one of my servants. Have mercy on him. Let him live with us throughout the eternities. This, I pray, would be our lot, and I ask it humbly in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Overcoming Adversity podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, by study and by faith. Come follow me the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on Podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.